Hey guys, Jules here. Before we begin this little bonus episode, I wanted to offer um, a really exciting promotional deal from Ignatius Press. Today we'll be talking to the author of A Bloody Habit, and we'll get more into that in a bit. But Ignatius Press has offered 25% off A Bloody Habit on their website, ignatiusnovels.com. So for our listeners, if you want to buy Eleanor's book, I highly recommend you do, by the way. Please, please visit their website, ignatiusnovels.com, and type in the promotional code BLOODY25. Again, the promotional code is BLOODY25. Okay, now here's our show. Hey guys, Jules here. So if you remember from the past few episodes, we've been talking about the importance of fiction, why reading fiction is edifying, and how fiction can change our lives even when we don't realize it. And honestly, we were just going to leave it there and move on to our next series, which launches November 1st, by the way, so be on the lookout. But then we got this email from a representative, actually, from Ignatius Press, telling us about this new author who I should probably talk to if I was interested in a modern Catholic literary revival. The representative said I wouldn't be disappointed, (laughs) both in the book and in the brilliance of the author. And they were right. Hi, I'm Eleanor Nicholson. This is Eleanor Nicholson. I have a new novel out called The Bloody Habit. It's a Victorian Gothic vampire slayer novel. And after researching and reading about Eleanor and her book, we were so excited about it, we decided to add this bonus episode to this series on Catholic fiction. Now, Eleanor's book, A Bloody Habit, was released a few months ago from Ignatius Press. As Eleanor mentioned, it's a retake on a classic Victorian vampire tale. Now, we'll be talking more about this book, but I wanted to alleviate your fears right here and now, listeners, because this is not your everyday modern vampire story. Today, the gothic is, it sort of evolved straight into horror, or it expresses itself into sort of the dark emphasis on the unnatural. So what I like to call the modernist corruption of the vampire is just this hypersexed bad boy who wears black, who's really problematic, but is also um but who's also has, you know, creepy sides, but he's really just misunderstood and somehow he's the desirable of uh, romantic interest which I think incidentally is creepy and really dangerous. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want my daughters to grow up thinking that predators are attractive, actually. This is the story of a bloody habit and the case for gothic fiction. For today's bonus episode, we aren't simply going to talk to Eleanor about her book or even her life as a Catholic author. 
Today I wanted to start by taking a step back, actually, and looking at a side of literary culture or even literary history, which is often overlooked. Perhaps I'm feeling in a little bit of that spooky spirit with Halloween just around the corner. But with Eleanor's help and guidance today, we're going to dive into the world of gothic fiction. Now, Eleanor is rather remarkably qualified to tell this story, as it's a story she spent much of her life studying, even as a young girl. But I'd always been a writer of stories. I mean, as early as I can remember, as soon as I could write, I was writing stories. And definitely before that, my earliest memories are of my mother reading. Much of our early interview was spent talking about this love, this early love of stories, and how fiction itself not only changed her life, but has the ability really to change anyone's life. I would say that fiction, like our all artistic expression, can capture something really unique and special and expressive about what it means to be human, what it means to be human in reference to God in a very lived, relatable, engageable way. As Aristotle said, it can both edify and delight. That's always my target. Eleanor's dad was in the Navy growing up, and understandably, Eleanor moved a lot as a girl. But no matter where she lived, she could always find comfort and refuge in her book. This love continued into her adulthood. She went on to study English literature at the University of Virginia, where she also received a master's degree. And her specialty made her uniquely qualified to create the story of what would become her novel, A Bloody Habit. I went to college, started a community college and transferred to the University of Virginia, where I got undergraduate and graduate degrees in English literature. And I specialized in, this is not a joke, anti-Catholicism of the British Victorian period. This actually is something that I can utilize, and it's definitely an asset when you do things like write late Victorian vampire novels. This love of the Victorian era was particularly evident in her interest in a classic Victorian vampire novel, Dracula. Eleanor, in fact, has done extensive academic research in both her undergraduate and graduate studies on this novel, and she even edited Ignatius Press's edition of the book. But alongside her academic interests, Eleanor also describes feeling haunted by the novel, as if something wasn't quite right in the story. And I think it has to do with the origins of the Gothic tradition itself. So let's start there, and I'm going to let Eleanor begin. Well, the Gothic tradition really historically originates in a special way at the end of the 1700s, and it was a sort of response to neoclassical precision and scientific method and a little bit of uh, rigidity in the, uh, from the Enlightenment. Now, in a total and complete coincidence, Eleanor and I actually happen to be from the same hometown, Charlottesville, Virginia. And this neoclassical influence Eleanor speaks of is everywhere around our city. The precise straight columns, the perfectly cylinder rotunda, the structured but beautiful pathways. And it is, it's a very beautiful place, but it's also very ordered. And in a sense, every so often, the architecture can feel a bit rigid. Remember, neoclassical is the age deriving from the enlightenment, where the greatest power in the world was human reason. 
But this rigidity, this lack of mystery, slowly started to wear on the hearts of those who couldn't help but long for more. And out of this longing came the Gothic tradition. But there was a little bit of a reaction in art, in architecture, and definitely in literature. There's a, um, a line from a poet named, a British poet named William Blake. From his, He has a book called The Marriage of Heaven and Hell. Really tormented, fascinating piece. But he, he describes a devil painting something on the sky. And what the devil's writing is, how do you know but every bird that cups the airy way is a world of sensation closed to your senses five. And what he's basically trying to say is, you know, you can perceive the world around you, but is there, like I said earlier, is there something more? Is there something greater beyond that you can't perceive? This new literary genre started to push the boundaries of the preternatural. Or in other words, it is the genre which Eleanor likes to say gave us all the things which go bump in the night. (laughs) Ghosts, goblins, werewolves, and yes even vampires. And it's here where Eleanor and her story found a home. This mysterious and dark genre, it's seemingly endless curiosity about all which we cannot see, all that could exist. But what I learned from talking to Eleanor is how much this genre isn't actually about the darkness. Instead, it's about the light. The story, which has all the trappings of the Gothic, I think in the end isn't about evil. It's not about terror. That's just the vehicle. That's just the theme for the unfolding of what I think is a story about goodness and hope in the face of horror. And that's something that people, it speaks to people in their everyday life. I think it's one of the reasons why the book is actually accessible to non-Catholics. Now, modern listeners may find Eleanor's love of the Gothic tradition a bit odd. (laughs) Eleanor, multiple times in our interview, told me how much she can't stand being scared, doesn't watch spooky movies, or even read modern horror novels. But again, the modern understanding of Gothic and horror isn't the same as the traditional one. For one thing, the curiosity and emphasis on the supernatural allows a Catholic author like Eleanor to insert theological themes without coming off as preachy. Instead, these supernatural themed storylines and dialogue is ironically a natural fit to the story itself. But remember, as opposed to its very hyper-intellectual, neoclassical predecessor, The Gothic tradition allows for the entrance of mystery into the stories in new, beautiful, and sometimes even frightening ways. These things, these, uh, the aesthetic of the Gothic, the trappings, the characters of the Gothic re-infuse the world with a sense of mystery and depth that you've lost if you're sort of hyper-realistic and, and scientific. So now that we have a basic foundation for our understanding of the Gothic tradition, 
I think it's time to dive into the world of vampires. <laughs> but first, there is this incredible story. It's a true story, and it took place in the early 1800s, which might help us understand how we got to this moment. It's a story about a meeting of bright and somewhat tortured minds at Lake Geneva in the summer of 1816. Lord Byron and his personal physician, John Polidori, along with a young couple renting a neighboring home, the poet Percy Shelley and his eventual wife, Mary Shelley. Now, rain kept these four restless souls indoors for a weekend, and to pass the time, a challenge was put forth. Who could create the darkest, spookiest, most fantastical stories? It is out of this weekend, listeners, that Mary Shelley would create her masterpiece, Frankenstein. But another work also came out of this weekend, and it's one which is sometimes overlooked. But that's where Lord Byron's personal physician, Polidori, another really troubled figure, wrote a story called The Vampire, which was the first real representation in literature of a vampiric figure who was seductive and aristocratic. And so the aristocratic vampire enters the literary world. And it is here with this rich and spooky tradition in mind where we come to our vampire story, Eleanor's A Bloody Habit. It's a story where even its origins infuse us with mystery and even a little bit of fright. I was staying with some Dominican nuns uh, on a writing retreat, and a Dominican friar told me to take a nap. So I took a nap. But right before I took a nap, I looked up, and there was this image of Veronica's veil. You know, it's the icon not made by hands. It looks like disembodied floating head of Jesus on a gold background. It's creepy. And I'd spent a lot of time on Dracula and vampires, and I looked up and thought, Catholics would be so much better at finding the preternatural because we're so much weirder than the preternatural. And then I fell asleep. This image of Veronica's veil is on our website, by the way, in case you're interested. Now, Eleanor decided to take up this challenge herself, how to write a Catholic story in the classic Gothic style. Well, just as any author of fiction knows, stories begin with their characters. And for A Bloody Habit, Eleanor decided to have as its central figure and narrator, John Kemp, an unbelieving, brilliant, skeptic lawyer in London who, through a series of encounters, stumbles into the world of vampires and their slaying counterparts, Dominican friars. You couldn't have Father Thomas Edmund or any of the Dominicans narrate this story because they're not freaking out. So if, if I want my reader to go along and go, vampires what is this woman talking about i need a, i need a protagonist who's also going to be saying this is insane this is not normal i probably should see you know some sort of doctor i must be ill and then the the scariest thing is those doggone papists and this balance these two opposite spectrums the skeptic lawyer and the faithful friars allows Eleanor to do something absolutely genius in her story. As you read the book, in the midst of the thrilling mystery that's unfolding all around you, there is this central question. Will the skeptic John turn into a believer? For John, believing in vampires is one thing, but believing in the friars? 
Now remember, listeners, this is Victorian London, a time period where they had had over several hundred years of government-led suppression of Catholics. Even simply reinstating dioceses in London led to riots and protests of that great tyranny of Rome. So John Kemp, our narrator, is at the heart just a good Englishman. He might be able to believe in vampires, especially after all of the bizarre events of the story unfold. But believing in men in silly white dresses in rational London who would willingly give up their lives to be celibate and worship some made-up god in the universe? Well, that might be asking just too much. The vampires he could write off as just him being diseased, himself being diseased. But if he has to accept the Dominicans and what they represent, his whole worldview has to shift. And it's this worldview shift, this pull and tug in the central character, John Kemp, which plays the most central plotline for us as well. You see, all the Gothic elements which Eleanor uses, the spooky scenery, the balance of dark and light, and even the vampires, they're merely tools to tell a much larger story, to tell, in a sense, the greatest story ever told. There is a yearning in the human heart for something beyond what you see in the world. That's actually, I I know you were interested in the fact that my protagonist is a skeptic. It's one of the reasons he's a skeptic, because the reader, like John Kemp, is facing a world and saying, is there something beyond? And the first step is, they're vampires. But it's just getting him to the cusp of saying there could be something even more beyond this. Without spending too much time of it, it's just widening his soul enough to admit the possibility of belief in the supernatural. took Eleanor seven years to write A Bloody Habit. And she isn't alone in this, by the way. (laughs) Many classic works can take decades for their authors to complete even. It takes years of polishing, hearing conversations between characters, and visualizing scenes to create a work of art like A Bloody Habit. But this process, in a sense, mirrors the spiritual process of Eleanor's central character, John. A creative act is, in fact, an act of faith. It can be difficult, slow, deliberate, and often unseen. And it is here that I will leave you, listeners. I don't want to give the story away. I want you to go and read this book for yourself because I guarantee you it is worth it. It is an incredible achievement. 
But as the Gothic tradition slowly draws us ever so closer into the realm of mystery, as the narrator John Kemp's heart slowly begins to long for more than the rational world around him, it is in this process we come to know the great mystery of God in the mysteries of our own lives. I'll let Eleanor close it for us. She can express this much more beautifully than I can. Happy reading, listeners, and we'll see you in November. Remembering, sort of actually like children or the relationship in a marriage, it's not the sort of idyllic and then happily ever after. It's the daily lived out experience of contemplation, of striving towards God. And it just happens to be for uh, writers expressed in, in the form of stories. before we go everyone Ignatius Press is celebrating their 40th anniversary this year in the Catholic publishing world which is an incredible milestone along with today's promotion for Eleanor's book Ignatius will be celebrating their achievement Friday November 2nd through Saturday November 3rd in San Francisco Speakers for this wonderful conference include Cardinal Francis Arenze, author Michael Bryan, Father Robert Spitzer, and many, many more. Please visit our website for more information about this event, especially if you're in the San Francisco area. And please visit Ignatius Press's website for an incredible selection of books. Their fiction series are on the website ignatiusnovels.com. Thanks so much, and God bless you.